The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. the mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Okay! Game on! Game on! Game on! Word is. Alright, alright, alright. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Toby. Bye-bye. 
Good evening and welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride on this Wednesday, May 17th, Thursday, May 18th. You know, in one week from tonight, it is my official anniversary of the 44th edition of my birthday. So next week's a big party on this show. But we got a show to do tonight as we hope you had a great day, we are live right here at Uncle Jimbo's Cabin, right here in the Great White North, as we are live seven days a week. We welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99, Rock the Key, down in Noonan, Georgia, along with 107.7 FM, the United Public Radio Network, live in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We are also live on spacedoutradio.com, on Spreaker, KTLK, the Fringe FM, in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. So if you're listening in on the Double R Machine, do me a favor. Remember... That it's a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Our resident guitar god is Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal. He leads us in and out of every single show. Bumblefoot, the former guitarist for Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy and the official sound of Spaced Out Radio. Hey, if you're a social media junkie like I am, do me a favor. Follow me on Twitter. At Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. On Instagram, you can follow me at Dave Scott SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is spacedoutradio.com and if you head over to patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month, you can become a patron of SOR as well. Now, if you want to take part in this show, you got to do me a favor. I need you to go to our website, click on Listen Live, enter the chat room there, or if you're on Revolution Radio, you can join in there on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or on Facebook if you're one of the valued members of the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, what I want you to do is use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I will get to your questions and comments live in there as well. So please join away. Now, if you head to our website for just five bucks a month, you can become an official member of the SOR Space Travelers Club. And as of tomorrow, I'm hoping by showtime, you can go to our website where we have a brand new Spaced Out Radio store, pick up a t-shirt, a poster, a sticker. We're even going to have Carl the Alien Candles coming up. So make sure you pick up a Carl. You need a Carl, man. I'm telling you right now, you need a Carl. No gnomes. There are no gnomes there. There will never be any gnomes. Now, we have a brand new news section called The Encounter Online, dealing with everything paranormal, strange, and whatever else we can find, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. Check out my latest blog there as well. And if you've had an experience you can't explain, fill out an SOR Sightlines report. We want to hear your stories. Now, the third Wednesday of every month means it's time to get all ghostly and creepy with 
some of Canada's best haunts in our monthly feature, Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, I'm joined by Mike Morin from the Canadian Paranormal Investigations out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Tonight, we head to the prairies, where there's only two seasons. There's winter and hockey season, that's combined into one. And then there's mosquito season in the capital of Manitoba, where the ghosts of days past continue to haunt hallowed grounds with Ashley and Kelly from Winnipeg Paranormal. Their mission is to provide a service to the community members of Winnipeg and southern Manitoba who may be experiencing strange phenomena, ghosts, cryptids, UFOs. They deal with it all. If contacted, they provide a complete investigation, document all evidence, and search for the historical background of a location. Now, their primary goal is to find a normal, logical explanation to what is happening. Because in the end, we all have to have a skeptical yet clear view of the paranormal. That's what keeps everything rational. They're not debunkers, but they're just trying to figure out what is going on. Before we bring Ashley and Kelly back on, I want to welcome in Mike Morin from Canadian Paranormal Investigations. Michael, how are you? Pretty good, man. How are you? I am doing very good. I'm going to tell you, though, I am still a little bit run ragged here from my travels to Provincetown, Massachusetts last weekend. It How was, was a, that trip? You know what? It was an amazing trip. It was absolutely amazing. Provincetown, Mass, if you don't know where it is, it's like this hook on the state of Massachusetts. It's where the pilgrims first landed. And you know, Mike, I, I'm a little sensitive to, to certain things. And I have to tell you, it was pretty cool to actually stand where the first pilgrims, like literally coming off the Mayflower, you know, and even in Canada here, we're, we're very well known about the Mayflower and the pilgrims, you know, because we do learn it in history lessons here. And to stand on those same ground, the energy, Mike, I was literally buzzing with energy. Like you could feel it. It was just an amazing, amazing experience to have to think, man, like 400 years ago, this is where it all began. It's just, it was incredible. It is awesome. Your photos were good, as were your Facebook Live videos. Yeah, thanks. You were there. Thanks, and we're going to be putting a bunch of photos up on our website from the Paracon, Provincetown Paracon, put on by Sam Beltruces. It was a good time. Met some really good people. It was mainly paranormal, which, you know, I kind of had to grind my teeth on a little bit, because you know how I feel about paranormal sometimes. But I like some of your, uh, your talk. It was good. Yeah. Well, my, my goal was to talk about paranormal media. And you know what? i got to thank the fans of this show. And the reason why is because I literally, literally, you know, have never done Facebook Live. And we've had almost 700 views on that already. It may have passed tonight. But it, it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. And we'll get more into the Paracon as the week comes on. But, Mike, it's good to have you back for another month. Hard to believe it's already been... A month since you were last on. Time flies. Tell you. What? Wait, <laughs> a good show tonight. Hey, what? I'm talking. We're good. I, I, <laughs> See, I, I'm I'm just surprised. I, I'm just I'm I'm very surprised that you know we got more than six words out of you there. That's kind of cool. That was a whopping eight. I know. Hey. I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Ashley and Kelly from Winnipeg Paranormal. How are you, ladies? I'm fantastic. Good. How are you? How are you? 
I am good. And and you know what? The one thing I was very excited about getting you, you ladies on, and as we continue our trek across Canada to talk about paranormal stories, uh, it's so intriguing because when I sent you guys the request, do you want to come on and do this show? You're like, oh, yes, we've heard of you. And I was like, really? <laughs> Really, you, you've heard of it. There, there's actually a, there's actually more uh, more than uh, like six Canadians that have actually heard of our show. That was kind of cool. Thank you. Oh yeah, you're well known. You didn't know that? No, I didn't. To be honest, <laughs> you know. Come on. No, no. May, maybe I'm just a little bit too uh, too naive sometimes. You know, yeah, you're because, just too humble, Dave. Well, it is it is us being Canadian. This is an all Canadian show. This is what I love about it, and and I have to tell you, ladies, because the reason why we started Ghosts of the Great White North a couple of months ago was because we actually had a lot of our American listeners, which is about seventy five percent of our audience, actually say, "Hey, we hear all these stories from the U.S." Why don't you ever tell us any Canadian ghost stories? So all of a sudden, I got Mike and I thinking, because Mike and I were talking about the program, and we decided to try this out. So now, it's your turn. So how how many feet of snow do you still have there? <laughs> we are actually clear of snow right now. Oh, my God. And I say right now because it's still possible. Yes. Yeah, it's still possible. <laughs> I, yes, I actually, in, in, in where I live in central British Columbia, w- right on top of a mountain, we actually had snow 10 days ago. Wow. Yeah. No. But, like, who does that? Who does that? That's it's not, May. That's not cool. No, it's not. It's May. You don't snow in May. Oh, but up here you do. It was, you know, it was frustrating. I'm not going to lie. Not going to lie. I know. Ashley, yeah. Ashley, let's start. <laughs> Ashley, let's start off with you tonight. As what we always like to do is, we like to let our audience get to know who you are a little bit, and Kelly will do the same with you okay. momentarily. Ashley, what got you into investigating the paranormal? Was it an experience, or was it just mainly curiosity that led to joining Winnipeg Paranormal? Uh, it was both. Um... I've always been curious in the paranormal um, from, you know, small child. But what really got me into it was actually um, a home that I lived in about five years ago. Um, When we moved in, you know, there was some small occurrences, small sounds, things that you couldn't really figure out. Um, We just kind of brushed it off. And, you know, like everybody else normally does at the beginning, and, oh, it's the house settling. It's, you know, we were in a, a... side by side. So, Oh, it's the neighbors banging around or, um, but it slowly progressed and, and got more and more uh, obvious that it wasn't the neighbors. It wasn't the house settling. You know, when you have somebody sit down on the bed beside you and you roll and there's nobody there, you can't deny that. Um, so at that point I actually contacted uh, Winnipeg Paranormal for an investigation and they came out several times to the house and I just stayed in contact with them and eventually joined the group and here we are today. Have you enjoyed the experience? Have you seen more than you thought you would ever see? Um, I can't say I've seen things other than in my house, but the experiences, the feelings, the... Um, yeah, I... I 
definitely never thought that I would experience the things that I have. That's for sure. And how is about your you... current house? Oh, you go ahead, Dave. Go no, no, it. no, no. You cut me off, and you rarely <laughs> speak, so you go for it. I just wanted to know if her current house is still haunted. We actually moved out of the house we were renting, um, and we ended up buying our own house. So we haven't heard from the new tenants, um, but up until the day we left, there was activity. So I'd be surprised if, if there wasn't anything going on there now. Did you know the history in your house or why there was activity? We couldn't find anything on the house. Um, when I spoke to the landlord, um, he really didn't know anything all that much either, other than it was an older house. And um, the floor joists were actually made from old train track rails. So who knows what came in with those. But other than that, there was no real anything that would stand out in the history of the home. One of my most ever scariest paranormal encounters happened in St. Boniface. Um, My cousin lived in an old historic house, and he never locked the door. He always said his friends were looking after the house, but there was never anyone in the house. So that night when I was staying there, I heard loud boots coming up the stairs from their basement. The, The doors slam open, and then I'd hear stomps all over the kitchen. And then it would go back downstairs and it would happen over and over again all night. And it was no one. There's that's no one awesome. there. Yeah. That, that's one of the stories that got me into this. That, that's definitely an experience. You can't, uh, can't deny that. I don't know if I'm sitting here kind of absolutely dumbfounded right now because that's the most I've heard Mike speak ever. <laughs> and I didn't well, stumble. I'm glad I could help get him out of his shell. Yes, yes. He came over to my house like a month ago, stayed for like four days, and he just said more words there than he has in that four <laughs> days he, he crashed in my house. It, that's amazing, Mike. Kelly, how All about... All my words count. Ke- Kelly, how about you? What got you started with Winnipeg Paranormal? You know what? I've I've always been um, I've always been fascinated in the paranormal. I don't know if you remember the that show In Search of with uh, Leonard Nimoy. That's what uh, that's what really really got me excited, even when I was a kid. And um, I, I just decided that I wanted to uh, start doing it, even though I was. Uh, one, I tried to get into it when I was younger. My family was very religious, and they were like, "No, no, you can't be doing these things. This is against everything that we believe in. You'll open the door that you can't. You know, because people have these visions of of what paranormal investigators do, right? Which is usually scary and wrong. But <laughs> they think we dance around a fire, and I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I just um, I decided I was going to do it, and. When I decided I wanted to do it, I just happened to be talking to the person who was running the group at the time. It was so strange. I had no idea I was talking to that person. And he said, you know what, I run this group. Why don't you come out with us? And the next thing I know, I'm running the group. He passed it on to me, and I had Ashley, after she, um, after I investigated her house, we became friends, and um, we started investigating with each other, and now we run it together. Now you say very religious. Now you got me thinking because my mother is is born in Steinbeck. 
Mm-hmm. And that well, is a very yeah. deeply religious. So I'm wondering if you and I might be hidden yeah. relatives or something along those lines. <laughs> Maybe. 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 And and you know what? I, it's interesting you say that because I um I actually was um one of the jobs that I work is is in retail, and I was working with someone who is from Steinbeck, and she said, you know, I, I have to ask you this question. Like, what exactly do you do? Because it really frightens me. I come from a very religious background. You know, I have these these you know visions in my head of what you guys do and it, it kind of scares me and then when i talk to her about what we really do and you know and and we want to help people we want to help people sleep at night and you know that's the main focus of our group she was like she was kind of blown away she's like you you just gave me a whole different way of of looking at it well the steinbeck Muse- mennonite museum as i was saying to ashley earlier on when i was chatting with her uh before the show that is built by my grandfather, my great-grandfather, my great-uncles, my great-great-uncles. My mom's schoolhouse oh. is in that in that room. And I remember I, last time I was there, I was like seven, eight years old. And I still remember mom actually taking me through that schoolhouse and showing me her picture on the wall when she was like five, six years old. So it, it's kind of cool to to see now i realize steinbeck has blown up in size since then because it's oh yeah it's become a, mm-hmm. a major suburb of of winnipeg but mm-hmm. you know this is just a, a former farming community like there's pictures of my grandfather on the wall you know oh now i'm getting sentimental you know i i am wow so that's I, very cool i i actually better go back there one day just to you know see all the relatives and i don't know you if should. you heard come I, visit I, us i will I will. I don't know if you if you watch the news or not, but like a couple months ago, there was this pilot clearing out his hangar of all the all the uh, antiques that he had. It was a big news story in the papers and everything. I don't know if you saw that or not, but that was actually my mom's brother. You're kidding? Yes. That's pretty interesting. Yes. So it's kind of cool. You definitely have to come out here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I wish I knew he had all that stuff because there were some things that I would have loved to have gotten off of. But mm-hmm. but that's okay. We're here to talk ghosts anyways, not old Davy's family. You know, that's what it's all about. <laughs> anyways, anyways let, let's move on here. Let's move on. And I'll, I'll hit you right between the eyes with this one. How haunted, Kelly, is Winnipeg? You know, I'm pretty blown away. Like, I'm not even originally from Winnipeg. I've been living here about, oh, six or seven years now, and I'm pretty blown away about how many people contact us constantly, constantly, for to go into their homes and just to even talk to us and saying that they're frightened. And, like, it's, it's um, yeah, it just it blows my mind. And I talk to a lot of other investigators in other places, and they're like, we're not that busy. I'm like, well, we are. We get contacted all the time. Like, there are a lot of places here, like public buildings, that are known to be haunted. But, I mean, we barely even get to go in those because we're so busy with um, clients all the time. It's pretty crazy. So your goal... Go ahead, Mike. Oh, no, no, you go for it. (sighs) As the captain of this show, Mike, we got we got to come up with some rules here. Uh, you know, as the captain of this show, Michael, if I we're both quick to draw, 
Well, I realize that. <laughs> I realize that. We have to come up with a system here because I can't see you. You're over there. I'm here. You're over there. Anyways, Mike, go ahead. I don't remember my question now, so it's all you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's move on here. Let's move on here. You seem to focus with Winnipeg Paranormal in regards to more residential and helping clients rather than going to historic sites, which are fun to do and fun to connect with. But why do you guys decide to focus on residential and maybe business clients? Um, you know what? I'll answer first, and I'll um, I'll let Ashley answer after me. Um, cause, I mean, she was one of our clients. You know, one of the reasons that she called us was that her her children were having concerns, and and I'm a mom. I have three kids, and and when we started going into residential places, you know. You don't always find, of course, everybody knows in this field that you don't always find that there's a paranormal reason of what's really happening. Um, you know, you find that all these houses and everything are pretty old and, you know, things happen and houses shift and you want to explain things away. But the feeling that you get that you're actually helping someone and, and when they thank you, I mean, that just, that makes it all it's it's everything to me when you're just like i just i just made a difference you know i mean we're searching for answers of course i mean i have a journalistic background but you know when you're able to help someone and and they thank you it's it's pretty overwhelming feeling especially in this field where you know there are so many people unfortunately in the paranormal kelly that are are so into what they are doing they're so into, you know, let's face it, and, and I'll be blunt, I make no bones about the way I feel about most paranormal people. They're selfish. They're there for themselves. They're there for their own thrill. Helping a client is secondary, and yet you seem to be doing the opposite of that. And that's why I'm excited to actually chat with you ladies about this, because in the end, that's what it's supposed to be about, isn't it? Helping people yeah. and solve those riddles. Yeah. Absolutely. Definitely. So how do you, and, you know, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. As fun as the, the uh, public locations, the businesses are, I mean, we're not really helping anybody in that place. You know, it, it's, um, it's just a curiosity for us then. And, you know, like you said, like Kelly said, we're, we're, we want to be about helping people and helping these families and, you know, help them be able to sleep in their own beds at night. That's important. Definitely. You have to be yep. able to allow them to sleep. And a lot of people yep. don't do that. So when you're going through your investigative techniques, Ashley, take me through an investigation from phone call to finish of what Winnipeg Paranormal does. Um, well, the first thing we do is we'll arrange um, just an initial meeting with them where we go and we sit and we talk. Um, we'll take some initial readings in the house, kind of get a feel for what's going on there, what they're looking for. Um, Kelly likes to say we play psychologist a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, and then after that, um, we make sure that they have a way to contact us, so whether it's our phone number, our email address, 
um, so that we can be there to help them if there's something going on before we're able to get there for the investigation. Um, we normally try and make the investigation within two weeks of actually meeting with them just so that we can get them answers as fast as we can. You know, um, it's not fun to be sitting there while stuff is going on that you don't understand. Um, and then with the investigation, we normally get there around, know, 8, 8.30 at night and takes us a good hour to set things up, sometimes an hour and a half, depending on how big the house is. And then we go at it. We do lights out and we sit and we talk to ourselves in the dark and, um, you know, see what we can get and do EVPs just like everybody else and spirit box and and then then comes the fun time of going through all the evidence and rehashing with the team members and seeing what everybody else was able to get and reviewing and, you know, is this really what we think it is? Is this something that, you know, the the client needs to see or, um, and then we review it with the client after that. So it normally takes about a month for, from start to finish with everything. Just out of curiosity from one group to another, how do you do your evidence review as a team? Do you do it as a team or individually? Do you review all of your guys' evidence? We do it individually. Um, so we normally split up the evidence, um, on site. So we have a DVR system and we bring USBs and we each take a camera, um, and then we try and load it onto, um, our Google drive so that it's accessible to everybody. And then we just make sure that we review that camera plus any audio that we took home as well. Um, and pretty much all of our team members have recorders of some sort. Um, and then we email back and forth or Facebook message and, you know, hey, check out this time. What do you see? What do you hear? You know, is there anything there? Am I just going crazy from staring at a screen? How many members do you usually take on a residential house, like just your standard sized house? Um, We like to have a minimum of five people. Um, so that we can have one person at the DVR system kind of reviewing and watching things happen. Um, And then we like to be able to break into two groups so we can split up and see if anything is responding in a different area of the house to the questions that we're asking. Do you guys ever bring in that? Do you ever bring in like a sensitive or medium or anything like that? We actually work uh, remotely with a medium. Um, so it's one of our friends, uh, that we met in Michigan at one of the conferences that we go to and, um, he will, I'll message him and kind of see, you know, if he's picking up on anything or, you know, what's going on. And it's amazing how accurate he has been, even with, you know, being miles and miles away. Um, one of our last cases actually Um, our client wrote down prior to us coming to the investigation, things that were happening, what he was seeing. And, you know, I I contacted our our friend and, you know, he was just saying, here, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. You know, this is what's, you know, this is the spirit I'm seeing. And then our client turned the page to us and it was pretty much word for word. That's cool. So he does like remote viewing. Yeah, 
Yeah. That would it be? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Did you, does he ever resolve issues? Like if people want entities cleared or anything like that? Um, he's worked with us to help um, on that, but um, not so much yet. But we've really only just started working with him in the last couple months remotely. So who knows where that's going to take us. One of the things that I am very noticeable about a lot of paranormal teams is they don't like to share evidence. They hoard their evidence. They're not willing to search and work with other teams to try and and build some sort of continuity as to what is going on. We all seem to want to have answers, but we refuse due to ego, due to maybe whatever the answer may be to that. We seem to cut the or bite the hand that feeds us with that information. Do you guys share information with other groups as well, or do you kind of keep it to yourself but have a multitude of people looking at it to try and figure out what is going on? Uh, we're open to sharing, but we always talk to our client first to make sure that they're okay with it. I mean, it is their life, their house, their, you know, we're showing everything that's going on for them. So, and a lot of times they're still at the location when we're doing the investigation. Um, so as long as they're okay with it and we're not breaking any confidentiality for them, then yeah, we're absolutely open to sharing with other groups. Do you think there needs to be more focus on trying to resolve what is actually going on? Because there's a lot of people out there and I know I can tell you right now, and I'm going to laugh when I say this, but there's a guy on Twitter at hashtag Space Out Radio, John Porter. He's going to fire the shot here very quickly after I mention this. But, you know, we've had <laughs> groups on this show who, lack of a better term, I, I highly disagreed with their investigative techniques, and I called them out on it. A lot of paranormal teams like to hide behind the word science, and that is a thorn in my side, a pet peeve, red flag, <laughs> what, whatever adjective you want to use with it, because in my opinion, there is no science in the paranormal. There's only theory and research. So I agree. <laughs> in, the, in the end... Absolutely. In the end, are you trying to figure out what is going on by telling the story of the ghost? Or are you trying to solve something like what is on the other side? How are you trying to conduct your investigations? What is the end goal? I think it's a little bit of both. I don't know about Ashley, but I mean, there is, if we can find a story that's that's fantastic. Um, we also like to search to, you know, find some answers and and say, hey, yeah, there is there is something else out there. And I think that's what a lot of um, a lot of people want to know: is there something more? And when I investigated Ashley's house, that's when I became like a flat-out skeptic to uh, more of a believer because of what I experienced in her house. What sort of things did you firsthand experience there? When I was in Ashley's house, um, it was interesting because we, it was the first investigation. It was still early on when I was still, you know, early in the, as an investigator. And um, 
all of our stuff, you know, was starting to, like, cameras were starting to die and and things were starting to go down. And, and I don't know, it was like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. We were tired and we're like, oh, you know, there's there's nothing happening anyway, no big deal. And, and, and in my head, I'm just like, what am I doing? Am I really doing this? Like, is there a reason why I'm doing this? And as soon as I said that, um, one of the investigators who was standing in front of me started like breathing really strangely, started hyperventilating, and I'm like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And and all of a sudden I looked up and I saw, I couldn't even explain it, like there were no windows open, no vents going, and there was like this white smoke, like something you'd see in a movie, moving towards the ceiling. And I'm just like, is everyone seeing what I'm seeing? And, and then somebody else across the room was like freaked out because he said something touched him. He was as white as a ghost, so to speak. And, um, it just blew us away. And I ran and I got my, uh, my phone and I started taking pictures. And, uh, later on when we started looking through the pictures, I'm like, whoa, what, wait, what am I seeing here? And it, it looked like an outline of what was like a little girl standing on her bed. Like it just blew me away. Totally blew me away. And, um, and I, uh, like you said, I, I agree with you on the, on the whole science thing. Like my, one of my mentors is, uh, Chris Rutkowski and he is, you know, he is all about like scientific background and he, he's the one who taught me, you know, this isn't science. This is theory. It's all theory. I would agree. Theory with, um, trying to get evidence. Um, I met Chris. I met him. There's a Paracon in Surrey, BC, a couple of years ago. He's a very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fantastic. He just, he totally, you know, took me on when I met him because he's been doing this for like 40 years. And um, when I, you know, ask him about anything or share anything that I've found, he's, you know, he'll take out, you know, all of this research about certain areas, and he'll be like, oh, yeah, I researched this, and this is what we found. And, you know, if you want to go up there, I know some people up there, and, you know, he's fantastic. And I think that's, I think that's what sometimes people in this field don't realize, that people will help you, and people do want to share information, because I think it will help us get further along in this field. Uh, I've met so many people all over the U.S. too that have become like mentors and friends and, and we share information all the time. And I think it helps. I don't think it's a, a hindrance at all. I agree. That is the hunt. That's the way to be. Sharing is caring. That's right. Exactly. Really, really you went there? I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been wanting to use something cheesy. Let me go with it, Dave. Uh, that, that, that was... That was... That was that was like Swiss cheese, my friend. Holes all through it. <laughs> I I want to ask because I, I know Chris Rutkowski as well. He has been a guest on this show, and he mainly deals with ufology. He's one of Canada's top UFO researchers. How insanely cool is it to have a university professor on your team with Winnipeg Paranormal? Because when I think about it, like with my team here... I have a resident scientist in Eric Markham who helps me out with all the scientific questions that we may have for a guest. He'll even co-host with me the odd time, you know, when we have a topic where I think his expertise is needed. But having someone like Chris, who is 
part of the university scene there is part of the constabulatory constabulary pardon me how important is that for your team's credibility i think it's fantastic i mean i was just a lot of people you know he when i first met him and I started doing this. He said, you know what, out of all the groups that have been through this town, and there are so many, he's like, you were the first one. You were the first person who has ever reached out and asked me anything, and I've been doing this for so long. He was one of the first um, paranormal investigators in Winnipeg in the 70s. Like, and it's just, I mean, he is such a wealth of knowledge that I don't know why anyone would not want to work with him. And he's, you know, him and his wife have become, like, incredible friends of mine in the process. And, and it's just, yeah, it's fantastic. And I think it does add credibility to our group, definitely. Because the one thing that this field does lack is education. And I'm sure you would agree with that. You know, and I'm not slamming anybody who is in this field who doesn't have a college education. That's not what it's about. But the one thing every paranormal team craves is some sort of university-type credibility, that they want their research to be taken seriously. They want their investigations and their findings to have that that university scientist or that university university doctor to go over that evidence and say, you know what, we have something strange here. We have something unexplained. Now let's investigate that. Do you find that, in your opinion, it kind of gives you a leg up having Chris there with that? Because in the end, you have something that 95% of the teams out there don't have, which is a university professor. Uh, I think it's, uh, for me, it helps me keep grounded because you can get really excited about things that you see and he'll, and he'll, you know, if I bring it to him, he'll be like, no, that's not what you're seeing. <laughs> and he'll, he'll explain it in a scientific way. And I'm like, you're right. You're right. You know, it, it, I think it's, it's such a help if, if people are, seeking out that knowledge from other people who, who have been in this field longer and who are, you know, educated. I, I, I think it gives us a leg up. What do you think, Ashley? Absolutely. I think, um, especially nowadays, people are looking for that in, in everything. I mean, no matter where you go, people want to know what you've done, what, you know, and the fact that we can provide somebody who has the credibility of being a professor and they have the education, not even just the education, but the experience, the fact that he's been doing this since the seventies. It's a huge help for us. It's a huge leg up in our credibility and everything that he helps us with. Does he take you guys on UFO hunts? Does he what? Do you guys go do UFO stuff? Like, um, he's offered, um, he's told us, like, he sent us one or two cases, and, and I've actually helped him go over, um, all the UFO stuff that comes throughout Canada, that he goes through all the data of, of all the re, the reportings every year, and so I've, you know, helped him out on that, and he's taught me a lot about, about those like sightings and, and things like that as well. And that's and that's pretty fascinating in itself. So I, I feel fortunate that I get to, 
you know, delve into that background too, even though I'm not definitely not an expert. I don't think anybody's an expert, but I mean, he's definitely up there. I mean, he's just, because he's been doing it so long, he's actually launching a, a book right now on um, a UFO crash here in, in Manitoba. It's the 50th anniversary, so this weekend. So it's pretty exciting. Do you find, though, that with other teams in your area, because let's face it, every major metropolis has about three to ten teams going at the same locations, and it does become uh, a little bit um, incredulous with, you know, the... uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? With the competition that goes on with paranormal teams, do you find that you get a lot more locations that maybe you wouldn't have because of who Chris is in the town and with the university and his status there? Um, Um, Probably. I mean, there are people that do call the university looking for Chris because of paranormal issues, and then, you know, he'll send it over to us. We definitely get people, um, get clients that way, um, but also because we have become friends with people all over, and there are actually people up here that, that will know, you know, some of the U.S. investigators, and they'll follow them and not realize that we're here, and they'll say something to them, and those people will say something to us. So, you know, we've gotten a lot of referrals from, from all different people. we got about uh, 11 minutes before we got to go to break here. And I would love for you to share an investigation with us because in hour number two, I know the questions are piling up and I'm going to get my listeners for hour number two to start typing in their questions so we can get them to you ladies. But tell us about a really good haunting and the location that you were at maybe a year ago, recently, whenever that was, that really, really was strange. Ashley? (laughs) I can think of two off the top of my head. Um, One is a public location, uh, the Seven Oaks House Museum here in Winnipeg. Um, We've done, um, we did a private investigation with them as well. We actually did a public investigation with them last year and we're doing more with them this year. Um, and yeah, we have a picture from there that we can't explain. We've had friends look at it and, uh, same idea. They can't really explain what it is and just the activity, the feelings in that house were off the wall. Like, um, and then, you know, crazy people actually get sick on one of the public investigations. People were, um, were, we're kind of blown away. A lot of people ran out of one of the locations. Yeah, we actually had people who looked at us. We had people who looked at us and said, you know what, I came in here not believing, and I'm leaving here knowing there's something else out there. Um, So we turned some skeptics into believers. Um, And then the other one that I can think of was... uh, just in February, actually, we 
we're in the Charleswood area and um, we're trying to help a gentleman in his home uh, with everything that was going on. And actually that's the one that our friend John helped us remotely with. And I can say that I, I can't think of a lot of ex- uh, investigations where I've had the feelings that I've had in there. Um, the feeling of not being wanted and um, there was one room in the house where it just, it was like a wall in front of the door. It would not move. It was just this heavy, sick feeling. Um, I had the feeling of being surrounded, but yet there was absolutely nobody around me. So, it, yeah, I don't know. Anything else you can think of, Cal? Have you guys done oh. the forks out there? Or, um, or what's that, uh, the big settlement, like the old fort there? On the oh, right Lower, Fort, Lower Fort Gary? Yeah, have you guys or, done there? Um, we haven't. Kelly has helped uh, one of the tour groups um, at that location, but we haven't actually done a, a, an investigation there ourselves. It looks like a really cool location to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like we said, it, it's it's hard to get to the public ones because, you know, the, our priority is always always the residential ones if people are asking for help. So we we focus mainly on, on you know, our clients. And, and that one that Ashley was talking about, that was, I think that was the only place that I've ever felt that one area that I genuinely felt kind of, you know, frightened in a way. And that, and that one area, it was so heavy and strange and just, and it was only the females that was, that were getting those feelings. And, Mm -hmm. and we also, you know, had one of our members who um, was there with us at the time, who is also a sensitive and, and we, you know, talked through it and, yeah, it was pretty. Um, it was pretty crazy in there, definitely. Have either of you ever been scared to the point where you're like, "I'm not going back in that house or that building"? No, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're like, it's no, become... you know what? If it scared us, we want to beat it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It it's almost like yeah. It, it's a challenge for us. If, if you're going to try and scare us, I'm, I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to come back. See, I've added a new tool to my paranormal investigation. If a ghost scares me, I'm scaring it right back with a picture of my former mother-in-law. That's, <laughs> that, that's what I'm doing. So, Yes, and I will remind it that nothing scares me anymore because I lived through that. <laughs> yes. That's a good technique. Exactly. So, Mike, when you're here, because Mike is actually coming up north. He Mike's near Vancouver, and I'm like five-and-a-half-hour drive north in a small little hick town called 100 Mile House where literally I still think they tie horses up to the outside of the of the. <laughs> Bar, you know. Anyhow, oh long story short, Mike's coming up here, and Mike, I'll show you that technique when we're investigating. I do a uh, museum tour once a month 
for to raise money for our local heritage site and it is okay. extre- it is extremely haunted um, and you know I raise probably about $400 a month. It doesn't sound like a lot, but we take we do a tour of about 20 people and mm-hmm. we take them around for a couple of hours and they get some pretty cool experiences. The the spirits there are usually very active with what we are doing and you know, like for instance, I'll end up going out there tomorrow and and having a little chat reminding them that you know, we're we're coming on in with with another tour group and be nice. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, do you guys do a lot of paranormal tourism in Winnipeg in order to help um, create awareness for what you do? We, um, actually, the, the, what, uh, when Ashley was mentioning the, the public investigations that we're doing, um, we actually donate half of our proceeds back to the museum because we, you know, it's important to us to be able to keep those places that's important for the town, right, in the cities. Um, and that's, you know, one way of our raising awareness. And I also work, there's already a tour group here who does ghost tours. And once I was running a group, I immediately reached out to her. So we've been slowly starting to work together. And she always, you know, introduces me and introduces our group so that they're, you know, aware that if they need someone for their residential home, that they can contact me and I'll go along with her to to help her on that, you know, investigation. So, you know, we've been doing different things like that to raise awareness of, of us being out there. I think it, paranormal tourism really does have a place. And we can get more into that as we're only about two minutes away from from break. I think paranormal tourism is something that you know we can we can teach people who have that mild curiosity without becoming Pokemon ghost players, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think it's good to get the public understanding that you know there is something out there because it doesn't matter if you're young or old. A lot of people have a curiosity of what is going on on the other side. Do you find that as well when you're talking to people? Absolutely. I think every, you know, mainstream now is, is you know, ghost tours and the ghost shows and everything like that. And because there's so many shows out there, it's created a curiosity and and people want to know what's going on in their city and and uh you know possibly have some of those experiences and and see how they react themselves definitely definitely like i was you know when i first started in this field i was still afraid of the stigma about it and um so i was slowly telling people but i found that every time i told people what i did they were like really i have a story Mm-hmm. Everyone has a story, and once they know that you are okay with it, they cannot wait to tell you their story. And and I've really, it, it's blown me away because I just even my family who you know were so negative about it when I was younger, now they're all coming to me and and telling me all of these stories. And so I'm just like, okay, I guess you know all of that stuff has really brought it mainstream so you know as negative as some people are about the shows and not all of them are great but they do do you know 
that favor to us to bring it out to mainstream and, and help people to feel better about talking about it, you know? Absolutely. And ladies, I'm going to get you to hold on. Mike, you hold on as well, because hour number one, we're wrapping up right now on the Mighty SOR. We are talking with Ashley and Kelly from Winnipeg Paranormal in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And when they're not fighting ghosts, they're fighting the mosquitoes going into summer. They're, 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 they are, um, the mosquitoes there, no word of a lie, they're about six and a half inches long, about eight inches wide. The wingspan is about, no word of a lie here, that wingspan is about a foot and a half to two feet. And that's why Winnipeg produces very good hockey players because they practice taking mosquitoes out of the sky. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back right after this. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hill Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal, UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru, Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy on your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. 
For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passports. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I... Vincent Zunza and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest, from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up, enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now, back to Dave Scott and S.O.R. 
Welcome back to the second hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, we're talking conspiracies, chemtrails, and more. Jamie Sexton from Rebel Planet News will be back for his monthly feature. I am looking forward to it. I hope you are, too. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time is when we get going at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99, Rock the Key, down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We're also live in New Orleans on 107.7 FM. The United Public Radio Network and spread over 160 countries around the world. Thank you so much for being with us as well. We're live on KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Off the injured reserve, Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR space. Travelers Club. Yeah, Bill, you got me. Stigmatopy. Stigmatopy is your password for tonight. Bill sets a password each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. Hey, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if You want to join me on Twitter during the live chat as well. I'd love for you to do that. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you. Yes, a plethora of features, including, as of tomorrow, you can pick up Spaced Out Radio t-shirts, stickers, autograph posters, and even Carl the Alien Candles. We're going to get it all for you. You can pick that up as of tomorrow on the website. I don't have a time for that yet. As soon as Mrs. SOR gets it on the website, we will be up and running. I know she's working on that. It'll be in time for showtime tomorrow. So check it on out, our new Spaced Out Radio store. We have the Encounter Online, our great news section put together by Eric Markham and Everett Themer. And you can join the SOR Space Travelers Club for as low as 5 bucks a month. It's an awesome, awesome thing. We're going to bring some cool content to that. We're revamping that as we speak. Tonight, we are talking ghosts of the Great White North. I am joined by Mike Morin from Canadian Paranormal Investigations, along with the team of Ashley and Kelly, who are part of Winnipeg Paranormal out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Ladies, Mike, welcome back. Hello. Thank you very much. Well, that was a quick first hour. That was a very quick first hour. I want to talk about residential investigations here, if you don't mind. Because residential, to me, has a lot of meaning. I have lived in a haunted house. I've worked in a haunted building. My current house is haunted. My yard is haunted. And there's a lot of people, especially in older areas, who have some sort of weird occurrences happening in their homes. Most people do not know how to deal with this. So, Kelly, I want to start with you on this one, if you don't mind, in regards to residential. How does Winnipeg Paranormal handle dealing with residential hauntings? Well, we, um, we you know, people reach out to us mostly through email or Facebook or 
um, those kinds of venues, and then we, you know, we we have a talk with them, and if they want to continue further, then we meet with them, and then we decide if it's you know worth an investigation. You know, we we ask a lot of questions. I I really ask a lot of questions, maybe because I'm from a journalistic background. You know, I used to be a, a newspaper reporter and. You know, you can never know until you're really talking to the person one-on-one what's what's really happening. And um, sometimes some of these people, all they want to do is just talk to someone, and they don't even want an investigation. They just want to feel like, okay, you know, I'm I'm not crazy that I'm experiencing these things. Um, you know, I I don't. They just they just want to feel better. And you know, I think Ashley had said in the first hour that I. I sometimes say I feel like we're more of, uh, you know, counselors more than anything else at different times because people just, you know, they just want someone to reach out to them because they feel like they've talked to other people about, you know, I think my house is haunted and people are like, you're just crazy. What's wrong with you? And then they feel alone. And um, that's how we that's how we really handle it. Um, and uh, then we decide if, you know, if they do want an investigation, then we set up an investigation with them. And we do, you know, the full blown on, we bring in, you know, different equipment and recordings and all of that stuff that, you, you know, people see on TV. And then we go over the all of the evidence and then we, you know, go back to the client. A lot of times these clients, we're, we become friends with them. We talk to them for years often because, you know, things might come back or occur again or they just, you know, they just need to have us back because it's still happening. I mean, just because you go in for one investigation doesn't mean that it's going to be done with. And I think that's what a lot of people in this field have an issue with a lot of these shows. They're just like, okay, it's all wrapped up, all done. And that's, you know, that's not reality. It's not, you know, we're just going to solve the problem just like that. So what problems are you trying to solve when it comes to residential hauntings? And take us, if you, if you, if you could describe that by giving us an example of a situation that you've dealt with. Okay. Um, our main focus, uh, like we went into one place that was, um, because we don't just go, we don't just stay in Winnipeg. There are people who ask us like hours away to come to their homes. Uh, we went to one home that was out in uh, farmland and she was, you know, we actually, because she was so far away, we didn't go to her house um, the first time because, you know, it it costs money for us. We're volunteers. We don't we don't charge them. So we talked to her over Skype, and then we then we decided, okay, you know what? These these people are there's definitely more that they're seeing, and and they definitely seem genuine that there's something going on. So we'll, we we set up our investigation. We went out there, and um, you know. <sighs> It's almost tear jerking in some some investigations, like because these people are, you know, they're just, they're so, they're so done with it. They're saying there's stuff moved, and and they're in tears, and they're, you know, they're giving us food, and they made wine for us, and we're like, well, we can't drink while we're in it on the investigation, but thanks, you know, they're just. It's amazing, you know, that we're able to help them. And we, you know, we did the investigation, and we also said, you know, we'll do, we'll do a cleansing because saging up here, uh, I mean, it's, 
it's very common. It's um, it's a belief that a lot of people have up here. It's just you know blessing the home and and making it feel more positive at the end. And um, she said that she was able to sleep for the first time, and she didn't know how long. And she was so thankful. And, and that to us is that is it, right? To be able to help them to sleep at night because that's that's our main thing. And if these people have children they're moved up the list. You know, if they say we have kids and they're they're seeing things and they're upset, then, you know, we're going to get right over there. That's our main focus when we go into places is that, you know, they are able to sleep. I mean, this is your home. You're supposed to feel safe here. You're supposed to be able to sleep at night. And, and that's our main focus when we go into anywhere. That's kind of refreshing to hear a group say that. Because that's kind of the group I belong to. That's kind of our mandate as well. Um, one of my questions, which you kind of answered, was I was going to say, do you guys cleanse? I guess, well, you guys use sage. Um, do you offer to get to send spirits away from the property or the house, like to resolve hauntings that way? Um, we have with our... Um with our uh, sensitive and you know if if there was something like you know we really haven't run into anything major and if we did we would refer them to you know an elder or uh, a priest depending on their belief system we always try and respect their belief system you know there's some places where we wanted to do um, a cleansing but they didn't want to and you know that's that's their choice we always try and respect their beliefs and their decisions, if that makes sense. Totally. Have you guys ever had to bring in a priest to an investigation, like where it's gone south? No. No. Not yet. You mention priority cases, especially if homes involve children. Why is it so important to make sure that certain clients get priority right away? Most of us are parents in the group, <laughs> and that's a really, you know, that's a really big thing for us. You know, we have kids, and we know how, you know, kids can be affected right away. Like my kids, when we moved into our house, uh, they started, they they saw a little a child walking around, and they felt it, and, you know, and I talked to them right away. But, you know, a lot of people don't have those tools, and they don't know what to say to their kids, and they're scared. And when it comes to kids, I mean, they're so innocent. That's that's just our number one priority. Do you get a lot of situations or cases where the children are seeing things, but the parents aren't? Maybe the children are sensitive, but the parents haven't picked up on their abilities yet? Um, I can't think of any. There was one case where she said that the child had, um, she said, I think she said, did they have two kids, Ashley? I can't remember. But um, she said that the child did have an ability, and I kept talking to her because I, I kind of had a gut instinct. There was something more going on, and um, the child was there, and I talked to the child, and I had seen this picture that she had drawn, and it looked like something from a show. And I said, are you watching, you know, these paranormal shows? And she was pretty young. 
and that's when it started coming out, you know, yes, I watched these paranormal shows with, um, with mommy and there was more, we discovered that it was, it was an influence that was going on more than, you know, that there was actual ability. So I think that's why it's so important to, to ask all these questions and really sit down and talk to them and kind of, you know, try to get a feel for what's, what's really going on. Cause sometimes people want something to happen so badly that they can have an influence on people around them. And, you know, especially children, they're, they're so influenced by their parents, right? So this child was actually, you know, kind of saying, yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing things, but she really wasn't. It was, she just wanted to kind of go along with what mommy, because mommy wanted to watch these paranormal shows and, and wanted to believe that there was something there. I want to get to a couple questions from our audience here, if you don't mind, because we like to involve them on everything. And this one comes from Beyond the Omniverse. He is asking, are there any paranormal activities in your current homes? Any kind of attachment experiences? Ashley, are you experiencing anything now? Not in my current home, no. Um just in the the one we lived in before this. Okay. Yeah, I'm, like I said, when we moved into this house um, just a few years ago, my kids started saying that they were seeing a child, my my daughter, and they had never said they had seen anything before. And uh, my oldest daughter, she was nine at the time. She said she thought it was her brother. She saw the kid walk into the bathroom and she looked over and her brother's sleeping. She was like, uh, what? <laughs> what just happened? And um, there were a couple of other incidences where, you know, my son said that he could feel it like rubbing his back. And then somebody else came in that was part of the paranormal team. And he said, I swear I saw a child just peek around your chair over there, but your kids are in the other room. So I was like, whoa, okay. And, you know, I talked to my kids about it because I'm pretty open about what I do. And, and um, you know, I hang, like, dream catchers and things like that. And they're actually okay with it. They're just like, okay. You know, they just, it, it's nothing harmful. They don't see it often. Like, sometimes we hear, like, footsteps coming up and down the stairs. But it, it doesn't feel like anything harmful or, you know, anything we need to be concerned about. Do you deal with child spirits or ghosts differently than you would an adult ghost? I don't Absolutely. think so. Um, I mean, really, we're just trying to figure out, well, if there's anything there. And um, you know, we, we always say that we go into the homes and we respect whatever is in that home like it's our own family. And so I don't think that that really makes a difference, whether it's a child that's in the home or an adult spirit. You're still going to want to treat it with respect. Let's go to Twitter now at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. A couple questions coming from Deb. She is asking, do you advise residents to use any crystals, and do you believe that sage does not work in homes but only in open spaces. 
Um, we definitely use sage in homes. So, again, we go, we've had experiences where um, the sage itself, after we've used it in the home, the home just feels different. It feels lighter and um, more open, I guess. Um, so I would definitely say that sage works both in open spaces and in homes. It, it's We use it more to um, bless the area or cleanse it. Um, sorry, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here. It's more um, of like a, a positive. Yeah. It's not anything that we, like we wouldn't use sage if there is, um, say, like a demonic case or anything like that, but it's more of just a cleansing of any negative kind of, feelings in the air and um there's also the belief of you know using sage for yourself as well sage and sweet grass mm-hmm. let's get to another question here from deb crystals can break any emf and do they check signs of fatigue memory loss it's difficult to focus on a children's headache what do you do you use in order to diagnose what is going on I don't really questions. understand that question. Well, when you, when you are in a in a haunted situation, obviously you're going to take a tour. You know, you have your gear out, and you're you're going to try and diagnose what is affecting the client, where it's coming from. What do you use uh, to help you know understand the situation before you start the investigation? I think a lot of it is the questions that we ask, um, you know, we try and sit down and we try and get personal with them. Um, we also do tests to see if, if it's the, if it's the, the house itself, if it's just an old house, to see if it's just settling and, and things like that. We also, you know, we take our EMF detectors to see if there's just high EMFs, if it's just like, you know, the electrical or anything. I mean, we've been in places where we're like, uh, it's not paranormal. This is, <laughs> you need to talk to somebody about your house. <laughs> like, this could be dangerous. It's not mm-hmm. healthy. What kind of gear do you use in your preliminary investigation when you're just going through the house? Just an EMF detector? Yeah, just an EMF detector with like a millimeter and a K2 because we want to kind of put them together to say, okay, this is what I'm getting. Are you getting it on yours? Um, and we, you know, we take a recorder and we ask them if we can record the conversation. Um, it depends on the situation too. Like if they're, if we go in somewhere and, and they're saying that there's full blown crazy stuff happening, um, you know, sometimes we'll even take a, a spirit box to just, cause they say that they want to do something right away. But I mean, mostly it's just you know, a recorder and some EMF detectors. And then, like Ashley said, lots and lots of questions and kind of getting a feel for the the house. Have you guys had a lot of darker cases, like ones that stick out in your head out there in Winnipeg? Um, I wouldn't call anything that we've been through dark. I mean, there's there's some places that seem negative, but they weren't dark i'm not i'm not one of those people i don't think ashley is 
either that will just jump on the train and immediately think that something's demonic because it's it's feeling negative it's it's more like okay it's stuck it's not happy and we were on one investigation that that has always stuck out for me and that um Ashley started feeling a little dizzy and then I she just wasn't feeling right and that had never happened before and then all of a sudden I felt like something was just holding on to me and just would not let go to the point that I was physically sick and I had to walk out of the house for about like two or three minutes just to make it stop. Let's get to another question on Twitter. This one coming from Canadian Joe. You got to watch out for him. He's a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, so we we know what, we we know what they're Can like. Can you let him in the group as a Toronto Maple Leafs? Does he like the Blue Jays too? I assume. Uh, I would assume he does, and he's probably a Raptors uh, fan as well. He, yeah, he's one of them. But what's a Raptor? I don't know. I don't know. Short little penguin arms like I have. But anyways. Joe is asking, wouldn't it be more interesting for your group to investigate sites like Lanze O Meadows, ancient First Nations burial ground sites or battlefields that were in the area? Absolutely, it would be interesting, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to be here for our clients and to be able to help the families. Um, yes, it's fun, and, and we do get to do the occasional um, public location, um, whether it be a museum or, or an open area like that. But um, our our primary goal is to make sure that we're helping the people of Winnipeg. Yeah, and we, we are pretty busy. <laughs> Let's get to another question. This one comes from Tripp. He is asking, why investigate in the dark? Have the clients narrowed down times, dates of activities, and do they invest and do you investigate and have a chance of finding evidence at those times? You know what I think and, and a lot of people ask that question, why investigate in the dark? Because you know what things can happen at any time of day. Of course they can. And and we tell the clients that. I think it's just that it helps your senses to be heightened at night. Because when you think about it, you know, it's a, lot, it's a lot quieter and you're paying more attention. And, like, that's my reasoning of why we investigate at night. You're just, your, your senses are heightened. It's just a lot easier to, to sense things and, and hear things. Ashley? Sure. During the day, the world is going on around you. So you've got so much noise in, in the background and outside and you know, next door to you, and it makes it very hard to distinguish um, evidence from just background noise. Mm-hmm. Do you think the whole investigating at night is just a misnomer? That I mean, I'm a firm believer that spirit activity can happen at anywhere at any time. The only reason why I like to do it at night is I like the feeling of being spooked, number one, but number two... <laughs> Number two, I find for myself, my eyes work better. In fact, they work better when I'm in the dark than during the day. Do you find that as well? Yes, I know I do. I I think, too, in the day, it's easier to brush off what you're seeing as, you know, a reflection or or things like that, where in the dark, you're not going to get that. So 
again, like Kelly said, you're able to more focus on what's going on around you and realize that, okay, I just saw something out of the corner of my eye and that was not just a car driving by on the road. You know, it, the, the, the dark helps. I agree. I think um, the IR and the full spectrum lights pick up a lot more in the pitch black, kind of what they're meant for. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And I find the silence, so you get flawless EVP sessions in the dark yeah, right. at night. Um, no traffic, no babies crying, unless it's a ghost. Um, but James Vincent has a question for you. What area of Winnipeg is the most active? Everybody asks that. <laughs> um, I don't think. Is it, I don't think there's any particular area like we. No. We've been we all over. All over. Even outside of Winnipeg. Have you been uh, to Enola? Uh no, but we've been to Steinbach, which isn't too far. Um we've been to Portage La Prairie, we've been to Winnipeg Beach, we've been to Morris. Mm-hmm. Um McCreary. McCreary. Um so yeah, so I mean it's it's really difficult to pinpoint one area that's that's more haunted than the other because, you know, like we said, we're we're all over the city. I only said Enola because I have family there, and it's one of the smaller towns I just know the names of. <laughs> um, <laughs> an- another question from Ron is, do you dabble in Ouija boards or seances? No. No. <laughs> Have you ever? And if you have, what are your experiences? Um, I played with one as a kid. Um, you know, me and a girlfriend had, well, she had one as, you know, a toy and, you know, we joked around with it. But other than that, that that's the extent of my experience with a Ouija board and nothing ever happened other than us moving the, the thing that I can't think of the name of right now. Yeah. Plan chat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that shows how much you use a Ouija board. <laughs> I, I use them as my coasters at home for my cups. I, I, sw- I swear that I am the only one who doesn't think a Ouija board is as bad as what the reputation has. I've had a lot of Ouija board people on this show, and they are very much fans of it. Now, I think, like anything, it can be used... For negativity, you know, because, mm-hmm. and let's face it, as a kid, oh, let's conjure up the devil. <laughs> Won't that yeah. be fun? Or something <laughs> along those lines. You know, so I think it could be a dangerous tool. But mm-hmm. on the flip side, you know, I don't think it's as bad as what everybody makes it out to be. I don't think it's as well, bad as everybody makes it out to be either. I mean, it's definitely a divination tool. It's the person who uses it, right? I mean, one of my friends collects them and uses them as um, as on her table, too, just to decorate her table. Like, she just doesn't, you know, she's like, oh, those are really cool, you know. And I think they're fascinating. They, the, whole, the whole thing about Ouija boards, it fascinates me that people are so fascinated by it and that this whole, like, you know, story has, like, the Zozo story and all of these things have have come up around it, um, but I don't, we don't use it just because it does scare people, and people will tend to think that, oh, well, that's fine to use this, because they did it, and let's just do this, and it's okay, and 
I, I just, I think that there's a lack of education out there about a lot of stuff, and, and that's why I love the fact when, you know, people ask us to speak at different places so we can talk to them about, you know, this is what we do during investigations, and, you know, we don't recommend using Ouija boards because people just don't know what they're doing. I think there's a whole process if you want to use one and, you know, don't go into a place without permission and, and those things. I think that there's just, you know, education is, is, is key in this field. Let's get to would you, uh, Go ahead, oh, Mike. Sorry. Go ahead, I was Mike. just going to say, would you agree um, like a Ouija board would be the same as using a spirit box, pendulum, obulus, same sort of realm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a form of communication, but um, again, it, it, yeah, it's the education. It, it's, you know, making sure that you're using it properly and, you know, no matter what equipment we bring into a home you know, we always try and stress to them like you know don't just be playing with it it you don't know if you don't know how to use it properly you don't know what you're going to be getting that is a very true statement let's move on to our audience questions here this one coming from gloria what kind of protection ritual do you, you ladies perform before and or after an investigation? Uh, well, depending on the investigation, um, we'll do a cleansing, a private cleansing of ourselves um, with some sage. Um, we always try and do a protection prayer before... Um, we start any investigation um, and um, each one of us has our own little rituals. So for example, I make sure that I, I have a piece of jewelry that my grandmother gave me. So I bring that on to investigations and that's kind of, you know, I know she's with me and she's going to protect me. Um, Kelly has different, uh, different ways to protect herself and so do each of our team members. So um, just like, Religion is different for each client. Our protection is different for each of our members. That makes sense. So it all depends on what your personal religion or beliefs are before you, you know, that you use for your own personal prayer, if we can use it like that. Exactly. Do you find that it helps? And do you do it before and after? Because yes. <laughs> there are times yes. when I forgot and I was like, oops, <laughs> something followed me home. <laughs> Do you ever have that happen a lot, though? Because that's an important point of spirits trying to follow anyone home. Yep, it's happened to me. And, and it yeah. was one of those. One of those investigations where, you know, we were there for so long and I was so tired because we usually say something individually before we leave, you know, and we'll remind each other. But sometimes we're just too tired because we'll say, you know what, I'm leaving. Thank you for communicating with me. Thank you for allowing me to be here, but you cannot follow me. This is, you know, this is your where you are and you need to stay here and you cannot follow. And um, there have been times where we've even put salt. We've called ahead to somebody, you know, who's living 
who's at the house and say, you know, can you put salt in front of the door? But it was this one time I, I was just tired. I did nothing. I went home, and the next day it was it was about for two or three days it even scared my uh, my youngest. It was like someone was just rattling around the kitchen. And um, the first day that it happened, I thought maybe I'm just, you know, I, I kind of just brushed it off. And the second day I was in the other room and my daughter kind of ran into the room and I'm like, did you hear that too? Okay. <laughs> like, ah, oh, crap. And, uh, you know, I just, I went through the house and just said, you know, you cannot be here. You need to leave. This is not where you're supposed to be. And, you know, and, and the next day it was, it was gone. So whatever I said worked. Question coming from Beyond the Omniverse is asking, the history of your investigations, have you ever had anything UFO-related? Now, we know with Chris that he investigates UFOs, but have you ever been able to tie in what a lot of investigators don't even bother investigating, which is the paranormal tying in to UFO sightings? Um, we haven't We haven't found that yet. Well, we did have one case, but it was already... We already knew that it was UFO related, but there were some psychological issues going on too. Um, but we haven't found anything tied in. And I believe like a lot of people separate paranormal to UFO. I mean, but to me, that's the same. Uh, it's the same field, right? Um, but we, we haven't yet. I think there's an interesting tie there that I'm surprised with having Chris on your team that you haven't you haven't tried that one out yet. No, I know. Do I it have to cool think of, do I have to think of everything here? <laughs> Seriously. Well you should you should get over here. <laughs> Dave, well, I technically suggested it hour one. Just saying. Well, Mike, um, we didn't hear it through your many words that you speak. <laughs> Fair enough. No, but on the flip side, let's get your personal opinion then, Ashley. Do you believe, though, that there could be a very strong tie between the ghostly phenomena and the alien-slash-UFO phenomena? Absolutely. I think it, it can all be in the same field. It's um, It's all unknown. We don't know the ties to anything right now, and so I think anything is possible. I have an audience question. Um, this is from Gloria. Do you carry sacred objects such as rosaries or any sorts of thing like that on an investigation to make yourself feel safer or guarded? Uh, well, like I, I said, I have um, I have my jewelry from my grandmother that to me is kind of, well, I'm not religious, so I don't have a rosary. So to me, I have my grandmother's necklace. And I also carry um, some crystals on me. So I have some amethysts for stress and um, some uh, clear quartz and things like that with me as well. Yeah, and I wear something as well. I wear a, a necklace that has, it's called fungite, and it's supposed to be uh, for protection. And I'll usually bring something that's from, you know, a member of my family or I, um, I have some selenite that's... Um, a friend who's also a medium had given to me. 
for uh, protection. And so I, I actually carry and wear those things just about all the time now. Mm-hmm. I tend to roll with uh, black onyx and fire agate. Agate? Mm-hmm. A-G-A-T-E. Mm-hmm. Do either of you... Or have either of you ever come in contact with any haunted objects in a residential home? I'm trying to think. I think the closest, and Ashley, correct me if I'm wrong, is is the horseshoe. Yes. Um, The horseshoe... um, Because, you know, that old tradition of when, when people would you know, move into a house or build a house. They would put something, like, under the stairs or, you know, for good luck. And um, this one case where, you know, that she was doing renovations and she took this horseshoe out from under the stairs and things increased. We were like, don't take that out. (laughs) Um, It was more, you know, it wasn't a haunted object, but it was more for um, what we believed was more like a protection symbol. Um, I haven't... I haven't come across any of those, um, except when I went to the Warren Museum this summer, but that was it. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, because Winnipeg is an older Canadian city, you know, and let's face it, for people who don't understand the history of Canada, when when the railroad was coming from Ontario... There was a big settlement, especially of the French, made in Winnipeg before carrying on through the prairies, which was easy to do, before battling the Cascade Mountains here in British Columbia and getting to making this country coast to coast. And where a lot of people had, you have a lot of haunted history in that area. So considering there's a lot of antique buildings, antique hardware around, are you surprised in your town then that you're not maybe having more activity due to the amount of haunted objects that would be there? I honestly don't know how to answer that question. Um, I think I mean, we like, are we are pretty busy. Yeah, and it, there are so many places in this town that are known as being haunted. Like I mean, every other building it seems here they they say, oh, that that one's haunted. Oh, that one's haunted. Oh, that yeah, one's haunted. Every, so there is definitely in the downtown. Activity it's here. <laughs> in the downtown area, it's like every other building. There's a story behind it, and you know. It, it's kind of crazy how many buildings always, you know, have these stories. But I, yeah. I don't know. Like we I are mean, busy. So Hamilton house. Are, well, let me rephrase the question then. Are there trends that you notice in the hauntings that you deal with? Mm, commonalities. About dark figures. Um, I don't. I don't think the commonalities are just specific to to Winnipeg, though. I mean, a lot of generic kind of commonalities, like the the dark people in the closet. We hear that a lot, especially from kids. You know, because mm-hmm. I mean, 
what kid doesn't think there's something dark in the closet or in the basement or in the attic? Those are all like the scariest places in your house, right? <laughs> um, you know, and the crazy voices and things like that. Um, I don't think that there's anything specific. I mean, Winnipeg does have, I don't know if you know this, but Winnipeg does have a paranormal collection um, at the University of uh, Manitoba that's very well known. Um, it's supposed to be one of the top five in, I guess, the world. It's um, People keep, you know, donating to it, and you can, you know, ask to see it, and it's it's from all different people who have just started donating to it, like Ouija boards and, and of course, the Hamilton House, which was a big thing in, um, around the, you know, spiritualist time when people came from all over to for seances and it was all well-to-do people. It was upscale people. It was doctors. It was politicians. Um, even Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, when he was coming through, he attended one. Um, so Winnipeg does have a lot of haunted history, definitely. What's that haunted museum called, just out of curiosity? The what? What's the location called? I know you said it's something, is it just the, Winnipeg, or the University of Manitoba that has uh, the haunted it's collection? It's in the library. It's in the, oh, cool. it's in the library. And you just, uh, you contact them and, and say, I'd like to, you know, you know, have a time when I can come up and, and see the collection and they'll ask you, okay, what part of the collection do you want to see? Because it is, it is pretty massive. Um, there's even some really old Bibles that, you know, you have to wear gloves to, to look at and things like that. It's, it's, it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty amazing collection, but it's right in the library in the university. Do you find then, considering that there is this collection of hauntings going, that people around your area are becoming more open to the hauntings and to the experiences? I think so. I mean, definitely. definitely. Like we, like I was saying, every other person we talk to, you know, they're, and Ashley was saying this too, you talk to people and they're like, I have a story. <laughs> I can tell you what happened in my house or this happened to my cousin or my brother or, you know, they're very open about it. And like I said, I was, I was kind of timid about telling people what I do in the beginning. But once I started telling people and realizing that it wasn't a big deal and that people wanted to talk to somebody about it because they're just like, mm -hmm. I'm really excited. I never get to talk about this stuff with anybody. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's definitely more open than it was when I was a kid. I got a question coming from the chat room here on Spreaker, and it comes from Trip. Have you noticed if activity picks up when the northern lights are active? I don't think we've ever looked at that correlation, but no. I think we'll probably take a look at that now. Definitely. I just like looking at them. I do too. <laughs> we actually had a show here a couple of weeks ago where during the break I actually ran outside to watch the northern lights dancing right above my house. It was fantastic. Oh, gorgeous. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Especially for my wife because she hadn't seen them in, since she was a kid living in the Yukon. 
So to have them wow. right over top of our house at that time, I'll tell you, there's not much better from nature than that. I That's know, sure. it's spectacular. Yep. Mm-hmm. Another question coming in from Ron in the SOR Space Travelers Club. He's a good Saskatchewan boy. I'm sure he could see your house from where he lives because it's so flat. <laughs> but Ron is asking, if you're not religious, why do you then believe objects or smoke can protect you? What do you think ghosts are, and where are they when they aren't there? Well, just because I'm not religious doesn't mean that I'm not spiritual. Um, so I, I do believe that there is stuff out there. I just don't like putting a name on it. Um, I do believe that um, ghosts are more like our souls. Like, they're, they're who we are. and um, you know, who we were as a human in physical form is kind of who we are in spiritual form as well. I, I believe it's a different plane of existence that it's what happens to us if we're, if you know, unless we're stuck here, um, that, you know, some of us are, if we're lucky enough, get to go to. And I know that there are some mm-hmm. people who are, are studying this, that there's different levels of places that, um, you know, some of these spiritual forms go to. Um, and, and like Ashley said, because I was brought up religious and, and everything's more black and white, and I don't think it is black and white. I think that there's definitely a lot of gray areas that we don't understand, and I think that's what we what keeps us coming back is that we we're trying to understand these things. I believe in a higher power, and you know I do pray to that higher power definitely. I mean, because I was brought up religious, I mean I do. I may not follow it to a T, but I do definitely pray to the higher power. But like Ashley said, I, I don't like to put exact names to it because, like I said, just I, I don't see things as black and white, especially now. Now that I just the more the more things we experience, um, the more questions for me come up absolutely like it's just it and that's what that's what drives me definitely i'm just like okay well why did i just see that and why why did that just happen and you know the whole saging thing i had read that it actually changes the ions in the air and that's why it does feel more positive when you're when you're doing the smoke and i I think that's all you know goes back to um some people believe it more of a, on a religious aspect, and some people be, believe it more on a spiritual aspect, and and there are some people who believe that it's you know the ions, which is more like a, a scientific explanation that it just changes it in the air. All the way from Australia, Robert is saying the old days. Have there ever been investigations done in mine shafts or old settlements in your areas? He apologizes. Because he's part of the Commonwealth and he doesn't know where Winnipeg is. <laughs> That's all right. A lot of people don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my goodness, Ashley. <laughs> um, 
I don't even know if we have any mines <laughs> around here. We're pretty flat. Yeah. Um, oh God. <laughs> old Fair settlements. Um, unfortunately, like there's a there's a few around here, um, but again, we haven't really been able to do a lot of public locations because we we focus on our our clients. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of locations that we do really want to research and do more investigations with. Uh, when I was up north, it was it was near McCreary when I was talking to a client, and it was like about uh, how many hours, three or four hours at least, and um, he had found all kinds of you know Aboriginal religious kinds of stuff on his property. He said he found uh, what was called a death table, um, and there's a medicine wheel that was discovered right by there, and um, he said there used to be uh, some trails that went right through his property, and there's all kinds of, like, fascinating stories that, you know, he had some of the neighbors come over and tell us all these stories about, you know, um, a gray woman that goes up and down the highway, and I think that's seems like it's a, a consistency in a lot of different places and um that place that we're at um checking out she told us all these stories of things happening when she was a little girl like the um the the chandelier would spin on its own and and um things had you know mysteriously happened like um structures had burnt down and they couldn't explain why and just i mean there's there's a lot of fascinating, fascinating places out here that we just still haven't explored and we would love to, but you know, like Ashley says, like when all these people are asking for help, we can't just say, you know what, I want to go over here, so too bad you have to wait and just suffer. <laughs> you know, when they're <laughs> when they're telling us that they're in desperate need, we're not gonna, you know, turn them away. We only have a couple minutes here before we gotta go to break. I'm very curious if we can continue this into hour number three, if you ladies wish. But there is a very, very large contingent of First Nations population, namely the Métis in Manitoba. Mm -hmm. And I believe there's mm -hmm. a, a big Cree population as well, the more north that you go. Are a lot of the spirits that you are dealing with of First Nations descent? I would say yes, because a lot of our clients are, and you know we some of our uh, one of our members is uh, Métis as well. I mean, every other person it seems like in Winnipeg is Métis or has some Métis. I'm one of those Métis people too. See? Yep. <laughs> yep. So I mean, I think that makes. It makes a big difference. Like I said, I'm not from here, so when I started discovering, you know, all the stuff about Métis background and 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 Gimli is um, is Icelandic, and like these are all people who are very they've been brought up very spiritual and like highly spiritual beliefs. Where you know they still say if. Um, you know, if their keys are missing, they blame it on, um, I can't remember what, what they call them, the Icelandic people, but, you know, they blame it on, they're like, they're gnomes, but they have a different name for it. What is it? What are they um, called again? Oh, great. You, you had to bring up the gnomes. 
You have a book of the knowledge. <laughs> I have a book. My kids have a children's book, but it's like, you know, people still like people have those beliefs still, and they're they're very rich in in their spiritual beliefs here. And to me, I think that's I think it's great, but um, and and I think it's fascinating as well. But um, our sensitive of the group, he's you know, once he goes into a place and he knows that they have that kind of spiritual background, he's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a, a lot going on in here. <laughs> you, have no like, really? I- you have no idea what you just stirred up by mentioning <laughs> the gnomes. Seriously. Aren't they called Hudafolks? Hudafolks. Hula folk or something like that? Yeah, hold a folk. Hold a folk. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. There's all kinds of stories about you know hold a folk and i think one of them even like hurt someone in one of the um was it one of the schools in gimli do you remember that story ashley no i can't say i do no i actually somewhere it's very odd well let's let's hold on to that thought here ladies because what you're what you've just done is you've opened up a can of worms with my audience in the chat rooms. They are going to be punishing me knowing yeah, here it comes. On Twitter, gnome pictures absolutely everywhere. This is your fault. Your fault. Thank you for doing that. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio, the gnome folk, Ashley and Kelly from Winnipeg Paranormal are on with us for Ghosts of the Great White North. We're also joined by Mike Morin from Canadian Paranormal Investigations. We got one hour to go of Canadian Ghost Talk coming up right after this. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I'm your host, Dave Scott. Make sure you check out our website and all the features that we have with it right during the break. Also... Let's have some fun in hour number three because this has been a great show so far. We'll be right back. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there, this is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event, September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with you 4 cop On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. 
We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box. The iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box. The spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. 
from Mothman to Frogman and everything in between. Hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. I was trying to keep this a gnome-friendly zone until Ashley and Kelly from Winnipeg Paranormal got all of you started. Thank you for the hundreds of pictures of gnomes now. I appreciate that. Tomorrow night on the program... It is a gnome-free conspiracy night. We're talking chemtrails and conspiracies with Jamie Sexton from Rebel Planet News starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us tonight. We're also live on WQEE 99, Rock the Key, down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. Live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio, KTLK, The Fringe FM. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Stigmatopy. Stigmatopy is your password for tonight. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, as Bill sets the password each and every night as he comes off the injured reserve list. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag, Spaced Out Radio. If you want to connect with me live during the show as well, give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn, download our shows from iTunes, we're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including our brand new Spaced Out Radio store, which will fire up on the website by showtime tomorrow night. We have t-shirts, posters, stickers, alien heads of Carl in candle form. Make sure you get your swag today. We would appreciate that. Well, not today, tomorrow, because that's when it'll be live. You can also read up on our encounter online and join the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. For the final time tonight, we head into the ghosts of the Great White North. This time, our stop is in Winnipeg, Manitoba, with Winnipeg Paranormals Ashley and Kelly. We are also joined by Canadian Paranormal Investigations Mike Morin, who is the co-host with me during this show. Everyone, welcome back. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. Literally, ladies, there's probably 
a minimum of three dozen gnome photos <laughs> that I've been hammered and tormented with, all because you had to mention the word. You had to mention the word. You have no idea how those little buggers scare the living daylights out of me. I, oh, no. I've been, I've been face-to-face with aliens. I have been within 100 feet of two Bigfoot. I've been face-to-face with ghosts. They don't scare me. Gnomes? Oh, you. you. I am shaking going, my finger at both of you. I'm going to hide what? at least six. What is there about gnomes? Okay, I'll, I'll fill you in, and my audience already knows this. When my first wife and I separated, I rented a basement suite that was near my daughter's house. And, you know, it was still within walking distance of her school. So it was, you know, nice and cozy to be that close. And in order to enter my house, you had to go around the house. And my landlords had these ceramic garden gnomes. And my daughter, who is a sensitive, she's now 18, uh, but she is quite sensitive and with her abilities, on her side where her bedroom window was, there was a street light near the road that kind of lit up the backyard. And every now and again, my daughter would come running into my room and crawl into bed with dad, you know, as kids do when they get freaked out. And so she said to me, like, dad, I got to tell you something. And, I, and she goes, sometimes those gnomes are at my window. <gasps> and, I, and I said, what do you mean? And she's and she goes, she's her she woke up one night tapping at the window and you know with the street lamp right there, it casts a shadow through her blinds and she saw the pointy hat. One day she went up to the blinds to see and she actually saw a gnome running away from the window. And that, and that just That's gave me creepy. that gave me the absolute heebie jeebies about these damn garden gnomes. Because there they were, every time I walked out of my basement suite, they're standing there in the garden, okay? Not moving with that stupid smile on their face, okay? It's not friendly. It's not friendly. Dave, I'm going to hide at least six of them in your house this weekend. Zombie ones. I swear to God, if you do that, I, I cannot wait to take them. You know what? I... Oh. I would sooner I would sooner have six haunted dolls in my house than them damn garden gnomes. Can't stand those things. Cannot stand those things. So you ladies opened up a big plethora of a big plethora of problems for me tonight because now the audience is all over. They're all over me. Oh, Anyways, I'm going to try and dodge those questions. Let's get to Ron's question right <laughs> off the bat here. All right. Ron is asking, ladies, and we'll start with you, Ashley, on this one. Do you find yeah. geology of ground or material of building construction ha- may have predominantly more activity than others? You know what? I can't say that I've had any experience with that because... Being in Winnipeg and Manitoba, we're all pretty much the same soil across the whole city. Um, So we really don't have different geological areas here that we've investigated in. Mm -hmm. 
I could see it potentially. I mean, you've got each, each well, theories. I mean, each different type of rock, limestone, quartz, all holds different types of energies in it. So I could see that definitely affecting investigations. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Kelly? Um, you know what? I really haven't noticed that it's, it's affected any particular investigations. Um, uh, and I haven't really heard anybody talk about those things with me. And I actually um, have some experience with that because I did live in Sedona, Arizona for a time. And, you know, that's supposed to be based upon all these, like, vortex areas and, you know, based upon, you know, supposedly there's certain areas where it's uh, there's more energy going on than the other. And, and I haven't really heard that from people when it comes to things like that, um, other than when they're talking about, you know, this might have been um, a spiritual ground before it was built upon, um, like we were talking about, you know, that there's a lot of uh, Métis background here, and um, but we don't know for sure in a lot of areas if there were. Do you think battlegrounds or areas of trauma could hold energy? I do, definitely. Absolutely. Question from Beyond the Omniverse here. And they are asking, have either of you ever witnessed, observed, or recorded any type of poltergeist activity? I'm assuming that poltergeists are meaning movement of... Objects moving and and things like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yes, I have not. Children, have not. Chil- um, children getting sucked into televisions. You turn the channel <laughs> and they're gone. You know how it goes. Um, Who hasn't documented you know that? I I haven't witnessed anything where, um, like we've we've been in places where we suggested maybe you know that the person was affecting their um, atmosphere in, in regards to the whole, like, poltergeist theory where, you know, a person can, depending on if they're going through trauma or puberty or things like that, can affect certain things happening. Um, and I haven't, we haven't witnessed that personally. Um, like I said, the only thing that I've, like, really seen is, you know, we caught child in the picture and and the smoke but um yeah i haven't seen objects move people have reported objects moving and complained about Mm -hmm. it and said they were they were tired of them moving but we have yet to have recorded it or seen it and the known photos continue (laughs) (laughs) before i get to the next question Eric just wanted me at hashtag spaced out radio to pass a message on to you ladies. He says, please let them know that we here at hashtag spaced out radio on Twitter. Think you are very genuine, honest, and fun to hear on the radio props to both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Yeah. He he didn't post any gnome pictures, which is nice. (laughs) 
Well, then we like him even more. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, Catherine is asking, have either of you ever had an investigation or documented any ghosts along the highways? Not yet. I would love to. Yeah. We Well, we did have, well, we didn't document it, though, but when the first time we were down in Michigan, we had this, uh, we were driving back to our hotel and had this eerie patch of just, Oh, that was was, so weird. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like like, this. We just drive through. (laughs) It was like fog, but it was literally like a, oh, one meter wide. Yeah. (laughs) Like the fog, like the movie. It was just like following you. (laughs) And then we turned around and we were like, let's go through it again. And it was gone. (laughs) It was bizarre. Is there anything that you haven't experienced yet in your investigations that maybe you thought of that you would have at this point? Um, um, I haven't had a full apparition. Like, and even in, in my house, you know, we had lots of shadows and footsteps and things like that. But I don't know. Everybody always says that they've had, you know, they've seen these full apparitions and I can't say I have. And I don't know, I guess that was always something that I thought I would with doing all these investigations. Yeah. I I would say that too. A lot of people, you know, tell us, Oh, I saw this, you know, apparition. I saw the person walking around and I'm like, you know, maybe one of these days. (laughs) Yeah. Come to my backyard. You can meet Rick. Awesome. I would love uh, to. Rick I've actually, met Rick. Yeah, you've met Rick. Rick actually, I, I I saw him the day we moved into this house in my front yard. And it was like a, a white swoosh right by our moving truck that we had. And immediately, on instinct, knowing that I, the one thing that I've come to believe is... In, in my own learning of this all is if you see it, go with your first instinct on what you think it is, because you saw what you think you saw, if that makes sense. And yeah, that's a... and Sorry. so I saw him. And then on August 15th of 2015, we had the Perseid meteor shower. So during one of the commercial breaks, I ran outside to, to, see if I could see any of the meteors. And I got a tree right near my back window. That's about 15, 18 feet high. And standing right in front of that tree was a dark-haired, mustached, white T-shirt, light blue jeans of a man. And he disappeared right in front of me. Wow. Yeah. And I happen to have a psychic named Angie on that night. She's in New York. She starts describing the back of my house. She goes, "Was there wow. an addi-? She That's goes, "I see an addition put on your on the back of your house. Was there an addition put on?" I said, "Yeah." She goes, "Well, how long ago?" I said, "I have no clue. My house is forty two years old. I've been in it for a month or for for, for two mm-hmm. weeks, right? I had no clue." And and she starts describing my house and how he used to have a wood shop back there, and he was looking for his wood shop. So 
we ended up having a great conversation with Rick that night on the show. Yeah, she was communicating with him from New York and passing it to me. I invited him in. He didn't show, you know. But actually, the one thing he did say was that he never comes into the house. He just hangs out in the yard. So I made him a deal. I asked him point blank through Angie if he wanted to go to the light. He goes, no, I'd like to stay here. I said, great. Can we cut a deal, though? I said, I don't want any, because we got a lot of wild animals around here. There's a lot of animals that can kill you. And I said, I don't, I said, I don't mind the deer, but I don't want any bears or cougars in my yard because we have like our little guy, he he'll be four in June, you know, and you know, when we moved here, he was still two. And I said, we don't want anything happening to him. So no bears or cougars in the yard. He says, got it. We got a deal. And swear to God, a few weeks later, my wife is yelling upstairs. I couldn't really hear her because I had headphones in. So I go, what's going on? What are you yelling at? What do you need? And she goes, did you see the bear in the backyard? And I'm like, bear? No. You know, so apparently when she saw the bear, he came over the neighbor's fence, kind of looked around in our yard, and then dashed out of our yard and climbed over the fence to get out of our yard as fast as possible. Wow, that's awesome. So Rick, my ghost of the yard, and I love mentioning him on the show, and I know he enjoys it as well. I always like to give him props for holding up his end of the bargain. It's really kind of cool. Nice. You should build him his wood shop. I, I still have to. I still have to. Uh, I am actually promised him that when I get my shed built, and I'm hoping to start it this year, but when I get my shed built... I, I told him I would leave some wood and some nails and a hammer in there for him. So that way he could work with some wood. So that's what I will nice. be doing. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Let's get to another question here. Or is it a question? No, it's famous trip just bugging me about gnomes again. <laughs> Okay, Mike, you got anything? Because i got to stop this gnome stuff. And by the way, Eric, after I did mention it, he actually did post a picture on Twitter of gnomes. So thanks, Eric. I appreciate that. I do, Dave. I do have a question from the audience. Ladies, have you guys ever investigated the Burton Cummins Theater? If so, did the 200-pound steel doors open for you by themselves? Um, we have fortunately have not had the chance to investigate in there yet. Um, we're hoping to, um, since they have changed ownership, um, we are trying to work our way in there, but, um, yeah, unfortunately we've been in there, but only to enjoy the, you know, the entertainment that's been in on the stage, not, not to do any investigating. Yeah, there are some places here where they just won't let us do it because they're afraid of uh, reputation, even though everyone knows that they're haunted and they're in, like, Mm -hmm. you know, books and online and stuff like that. And there's some places where we've actually had to um, sign a non-disclosure saying we won't, you know, tell anyone that we investigated in there. Isn't that kind of strange, though, because a lot of these places... If they actually just gave in to the fact that they're they're 
building or their place of residence or work was haunted, they could actually make probably a little bit more income on it. Yet here in Canada, and I'm sure it happens in the States too, but here in Canada, we don't want to talk about this stuff. We don't want to admit that it's happening for fear of losing business rather than thinking, well, maybe this is a good way of creating more business and revenue. Yeah. 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 We've actually talked about that and, and said, you know, like we're not sure whether it's a fear of losing business or, or the, you know, the change in their reputation or, you know, the fact that it's going to attract the, and I'm going to put this in air quotes, wrong crowd, you know? um, Yeah. yeah, It's very hush hush up here. It is. It's very hush hush. And I mean, there's, there's actually um, a church that's uh, famous for being haunted, and they actually, you know, have security there to make sure no one's lurking around the place because it's become um, so well-known in the area for being haunted. And, you know, we, we talk to these museums, and, you know, we tell them, you know, you're losing money. You, you can barely stay open. What if we, you know, have a public investigation? We make sure everybody behaves themselves. You know, they're not going to touch anything or you know, ruin any of of these antiques, and um, then we can, you know, dedicate at least half of our money towards, you know, keeping this open. And, you know, some of them are are finally realizing it, and, you know, we were fortunate enough to do it last year, and they were just, they were kind of blown away at at how much money they did make off of us doing it. And we were very meticulous. Um, Ashley was fantastic at setting the whole thing up. We were very meticulous yeah. on how we ran the investigation. We split them up into groups. We made sure the groups weren't too large so that we could watch everybody. And we made, you know, we told them this, these are the rules. And and then we would switch groups every 20 minutes. And, you know, we, we had it down to a system. And they were so happy that this year they were like, okay, so we want this many investigations this year. And, you know, it does it. It helps their revenue. They were just like, whoa, okay, you know, we can keep this place open if we do this kind of stuff. This is helping us. I find it funny going to museums to try and solicit investigations or fundraisers, whatnot, when you walk in. And the first thing the curator will say, I don't believe in that horse, you know. Mm-hmm. But then they're like, well, there was this one my lunch away. And then they'll start then. And then from there is when you get your investigation because then you relate or they relate with you. But I just find always yeah. the first encounters funny when they automatically disregard it. Yeah. But we do have a question from our audience. They would like to know the scariest investigation that you have ever done. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, there's not really an investigation that really that really scared us. I mean, it's it's kind of strange when. When we see things like this, we're just like, oh, wow, did you see that? That was cool. Like we just, maybe maybe we really witnessed something here and it gets us more excited than scared. I think maybe the that most recent one where we had that one, uh, one room where it was just very, uh, very intimidating and just didn't like women. And, and you could tell, like, I actually couldn't even, like, enter the room for a while. 
that was maybe closest or or down in Michigan actually. Yeah. That really strange where you're like I, walking I, through a, an area and it feels like you're almost walking through an invisible wall. For me, I'd say probably the most recent investigation. Um, Michigan was definitely an odd feeling and not something that I had really experienced up to that point. But I think that the, the uh, residential investigation actually affected me more. Um, like you said, I, I couldn't enter a room. I stood on the outside. I was shaking. Um, and I still don't know why, other than it just, like, it, it honestly just felt like it did not want me there. No, yeah, it was and a very heavy, sad, and almost frightening feeling that would just overwhelm you as soon yeah. as you started getting closer to the room up the stairs. Yeah, we went back for a second investigation there, and and that was... You know, my goal before the end of the night is I was going to walk into that room by myself on my own, and I did it. That's, yeah, and that's what I did too. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let that intimidate me. <laughs> now, before we, before we, we go, night, before we go any further, Mikey, we have to say goodnight to you because you got an early wake up call tomorrow. I do. Uh, I'm being a princess and calling it an early night. Well, four four forty five in the morning does come early. So, Mike, thank you so much. We will talk to you again on this show on June twenty first, and I'll see you this weekend up in the Caribou of British Columbia. Sounds good. It was hey, it was a great good... meeting you. I enjoyed yeah. it. We'll definitely you. have to talk some more. Indeed. All right, Mikey, thank you so much. And I will be continuing on here because, it's, well, it's kind of my show. So we'll continue on in regards to that. So you were explaining about, uh, what, do you believe it was an entity you were tracking down? It was something that had been there for a really long time, and it was protecting, it thought, in its mind, it thought it was protecting the daughter. And... It wasn't. It was just kind of hanging around where the daughter yeah. was, and it was, you know, more bothering her. Although I think when what we've experienced in some of these places that is that when something's around for so long that even though people say that they're scared of it, they're so used to it too that they almost aren't afraid, aren't ready to get rid of it as well. I mean, that's something else that we found in investigations. But um, she wasn't there that night, and our sensitive, you know, did a certain a cleansing, and he was talking to it, and we were we had the client up there who um, has some abilities that he's really trying to, you know, get hold of because he's not happy about the fact that he has abilities. So we've been trying to help him on in that respect. So we, you know, we come and see him and say, okay, what about these tools? Maybe this will help you. And we introduced him to our medium friend who has called him on the phone and talked to him and, um, you know, tried to 
we just want to be able to help him to get a better handle on it because it was just really overwhelming him. He's like, I'm not supposed to do this stuff. I'm a tough guy, you know. So um, whatever that's supposed to mean, right? But, um, <laughs> but you know, it was just uh, whatever we did in that room that night, it, it definitely worked. And, and he said he felt a difference after we left. And when we went back for that second investigation, it definitely felt different in that room. And I was bound and determined, like Ashley, to go in there and and see if it was still in there because I was just like, there's no way that this thing is going to, you know, intimidate me. Intimidate us. You know. Have either of you ever had a case where it just left you emotionally worn out? Oh, yeah. Like where, yeah, you're, all, where, you're, where you're almost in tears because you just can't comprehend what happened or the feeling that you get or the messages that you got just kind of broke you down? Um, I found, and Ashley and her sister, who was also in the group, and her name is Kelly, too, um, we found that through the years, the longer we've been doing this, the more it affects us. Um, we were really surprised at that, and then when we talked to other people, they're just like, well, you're just opening up, you're you're able to, you know, sense things a lot more. I find that a lot of investigations now, um, that it definitely affects me. The next day, I feel almost like mm-hmm. I went out drinking that night. There was one particular one where I felt like, literally, like I had the flu for about 24 hours after I felt like I was going to die. I'm like, what What the hell happened to me in that house? And um, I, I was pretty blown away by that because that was the first time that ever happened to me. And, and it was kind of a scary feeling, like, you know, because I thought I protected myself, but uh, obviously I didn't enough, but I was still really blown away by how much it affected me physically and emotionally. It... Um, I mean, it would never stop me from doing this, but it made me realize, like, you know, how how much we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves physically as well. Yeah. I, I find the more we do this, um, the longer it actually takes me to recuperate from investigations. So, mm-hmm. for example, when I first started investigating, I was good, ready to go the next day. And... I mean, maybe it's just because I'm getting older too, but, you know, now it's it's taking me, you know, the Sunday after the investigation and I'm drained and I'm tired and I'm dragging my feet and, um, you know, it, it's just, it's harder to, I don't know if it's because we're experiencing more, we're more open or again, because we're getting older, but I find it's taking longer to you just f- get back to being me. Do you find that maybe you're becoming more empathic the more you investigate? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Definitely. Like, we we went into one place where um, I walked down the hall, and and I was by myself. They weren't with me, and I felt like I just hit, like, this crazy invisible wall. Like, it was just almost felt like... I was walking through jello or something. I couldn't describe it. And it didn't feel good. It felt negative. And I called them down one by one. I had them walk down the hall. I said nothing to them because we don't like to lead each other or tell each other what we felt. 
And I said, just walk down that hall for me. And I had them each do it at separate times and didn't tell the other person anything. And, you know, Ashley and Kelly both stopped right at the same exact place that I did. And they were actually, like, trying to walk around. (laughs) They were like, what the hell? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's just. It was strange, and then we had somebody else go down it, and he's like, I don't really, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So, I mean, we've definitely noticed that we're just feeling a lot more than we ever did. What about a case where you will not take on? Is there anything that is just beyond the rules of what Winnipeg Paranormal will or will not investigate? We haven't, uh, there hasn't been anything, I mean, the only time that we won't take something on is if we believe that it's more psychological and we'll just say, you know what, you can call this number for help and, you know, or maybe you should see somebody, like, we're not doctors, we're not psychologists, and I think that's why it's so important to interview people and question them and, you know, get a feel for them and, you know, ask them, you know, and they're not always going to tell you the truth. Let's face it, not everybody's Mm going to admit that they're doing drugs or there's alcohol problems or psychological problems in their family, but we do ask them those questions. They're not easy questions to ask people, but we still do ask them those questions. And, you know, some people have lied and, you know, we said, are you on any medications? Because there's a lot of medications out there that can make you see things, right? And we went into one. She's like, nope. And the next time we went into her house, you, like, there was like a, a a big pharmacy, you know. We're just like, but if we think that something's, you know, psychological or in that respect, we're, we're definitely not going to take it. There was another one that we told them we will not investigate uh, if there's children present because that's, you know, one of our rules. And they, we get there, and there was a, the child was there, and we said, nope, we, we asked you not to do that. We, we just, this is our belief. You know, this child isn't the center of the investigation, and she's a very young child, and we're just not going to do that. That's just not what we're all about, and we walked out. Good standards, very good standards. Thank you. Something that I feel in the amount of paranormal teams I've talked to, something that I feel is very much lacking in this field is quality standards. So that is something that is very impressive. Let's get to a question from Ron here. Ron is asking, does your group, Winnipeg Paranormal, have clients sign waiver forms for permission, liability, and or evidence release? Yep. Yes. Please have them sign all that stuff. Have it, has you anybody? Make sure we bring it. Has anybody ever Sorry. declined that? No. No. <laughs> They've all been more than willing to sign. Um, I think most of them just want the help. So if if that's what we need them to do, and most of it, like the way we explain it is it's for all of our protection, right? Like um, 
if they choose to leave the house in the middle of the investigation and their neighbors call the cops because they see people walking around with flashlights, you know, we don't want to have to call him to come back down and, you know, bail us out of jail because, you know, know, and and then same with the confidentiality and, and liabilities, right? Like, you know, we always suggest to the clients, like, if there is something that you don't want to get broken or that you're concerned about, put it away, Um, you know, but again, we explained to them, like, we do everything we absolutely can to make sure that we're not bumping into things, you know, we're watching where we're going, but at the same time, we're in the dark, you know, we're not familiar with your house, it's, you know, 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night, and, you know, we, we can't always see what we're doing, Um, so we do get them to sign a liability so that they can't come back to us and say, hey, you broke this and now I'm going to sue you for absolutely nothing because we have nothing. Yeah. Yes, Um, there's not a lot of money in this. No. (laughs) No. You know, and yeah, at the same time, we also get them to sign uh, about the evidence because we want to be able, we do Facebook posts and things like that, but we also explain to them, like, we're never going to post your address. We're never going to post something that is going to show exactly where we are or anything like that. Like, we we name all of our cases, so we're not going to use their name. We're not going to publish their name. Um, But we do, again, we want them to trust us. So we want them to know that, you know, here, here's our agreement. Here's what we're saying here's a copy for you and we'll keep the signed one as well. You mentioned that you have standards, which by all intents and purposes, just listening to you ladies tonight, I think you're doing ghost hunting the right way. I think your team is doing it the right way. And, and trust me, I don't say that very often. Not like my word means anything. Okay. (laughs) But I hear a lot of ghost teams and I, you know, I probably turn down more ghost hunting teams than I actually bring on the air because there's just a few kind of niche words that if, if ghost hunting teams mention, I automatically will say, yeah, we're not going there. Thank you very much. And we move right. on. But how did your group, Winnipeg Paranormal, come up with your ethical standards? Because if anything, the paranormal takes a lot of criticism for having a lack of ethics or strong foundation in the way to investigate and how to investigate? Um, you know, for me, it's uh, when it was uh, passed on to me to, to run, I, I had already reached out to people who had similar belief systems that I did. And, you know, they're always, all of those people that I, you know, I said, you know, I want you to be my mentor. And, you know, a lot of people were so gracious in this field to me that they took me on right away. And um, they definitely have kept me grounded. And as I, you know, went through a lot of people (laughs) to find the right team of people that, you know, had similar belief systems when it came to, like, ethics, you know, I'm not saying that they have to believe 
every single thing that I do. I mean, people, you know, it's nice to have that skeptical person and people who have different religious beliefs and things like that or backgrounds. But when it came to ethics and morals, um, you know, I uh, we, we finally have this great team of people that just, you know, we all kind of have the same outlook when it when it comes to that and like I said my mentors are always there to you know keep me grounded and say you know what remember what what's the most important thing you know it's taking care of your clients and making sure that they're okay right you know don't get caught up in that drama don't get caught up in this because it's it's pretty easy to you know get caught up in it when somebody's you know getting angry at you because you're like "Uh, that's you you shouldn't belong in this group Maybe you should find another group because this is not what we're all about. We're not about, you know, running around and trying to be famous or, you know, it's not about, like, going to party and, you know, I mean, yeah, we like to go out and have fun, but that's not what we're about, right? So, you know, I went, it was hard. It was, it's, it can be really hard running a team and making sure that, you know, those people are, are going to, stick to that stuff it is definitely not an easy road and there were times when I'm like oh god can I do this but you know like I said the people in this field that have helped me they were just like you know what you'll find you'll find the right people and now I I mean Ashley is my right hand man so to speak and you know we we have similar beliefs in her sister and some of the other people that are in the group I mean I couldn't ask for a better team of people to work with. I've been, I count my blessings. I think for me, it was um, a lot of how I was brought up, right? It was my ethics come from my parents and they always taught me treat people how you want to be treated. And if I was in their feet, I wouldn't want to be just a, a TV show for somebody I'd want to know that they have my best interests at heart, and and I think that's the way that we run the group as well. How important is it, though, to have some sort of strong code of ethics? Because I'm sure you get people coming on in, and all they want to do is go play ghost. They don't want to understand the rules, the guidelines of what's going on. They just want to get their own fix. I know a lot of groups out there have people Mm -hmm. coming up saying, look, I just want to have the rush. I just want to have the experience. They don't understand the dangers or the ramifications of what could happen with an improper investigation. How do you deal with people like that? Not easily. (laughs) (laughs) It's not an easy road, I'll tell you that much. But you do. You have to be firm and sometimes they do not people do not like you for it i mean yeah you know and and that's like i said that's where the mentors come in when they're just like yep you're going to be the bad guy sometimes they're going to think that you're you know a jerk and they're going to badmouth you and say all these things just don't pay attention i just i i try not to give it energy sometimes it does get to me because i'm like i'm not trying to be a bad person but you know i don't appreciate you like recording our clients without asking them permission that's not cool you're done no and or using our name for trying to get a date or try and be popular you know like or trying to be on a tv show and just get a rush and you have to do the work and a lot of people come in here and they're just like we're gonna have fun I'm like yeah you can have fun but 
there's still work to do and there's still there's clients that are you know these people are emotional they're yeah. just you know we walk into some situations where these people are just emotional and desperate and you know we're following up with them many many times i mean some of them have become my friends because i've just you know they're just people that you you come to care about and it's it's definitely not easy to to remove those people and say you know what i i know this is volunteer but no it's not going to happen i want a copy of your manual <laughs> I, I do I do. I want to read that because I like what you ladies are doing and your team in general is doing. And trust me when I say this, that is hard to find. That is so hard to find. And, you know, I commend you for that. I really do. Because you take this topic seriously. You're you're not eliminating points out of your own personal opinion and, and defining it as scientific or any crap like that that a lot of teams do. Good on you for that. Very good on you for that. I have a couple questions from Beyond the Omniverse asking, ladies, what do you think is essential motivation with doing these investigations personally? Is it to help both client and spirits? Because you're definitely not doing it for any type of notoriety. No. Um... I, I think it's both. I mean, my heart goes out when, um, I mean, my heart goes out not only to the clients, but like I said, there was one case where they didn't want to cleanse, and I felt, <laughs> I felt really emotional about it because I'm like, you could definitely feel that there was, the person that had passed, and we couldn't find, we couldn't pinpoint which one, because there were a lot of people who passed on in that house, and they were male, and we knew it was male, and we knew that it was, uh, and our sensitive came in, too, and he said it, it was, the person was definitely sickly, and it's still here, and he's still here, and to me, that was emotional, but you, like I said, you can't make the client do something that they don't want to do, Ashley. What is your opinion? I I agree wholeheartedly. Like, it, it's a hard line, right? But um, oh, in, in the end, it's. I mean, we want to be able to help the spirits too, but we have to ask permission to the client. Well, and in a lot of those cases, the client is just addict, as addicted to the spirit and the activity than just knowing that their house is haunted. Yeah, yeah. And, we'll, and we will, that's where that whole, like, where counselors come in. <laughs> 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 like, you know, <laughs> and we try and say it in a nice way. We're like, you know, maybe it's just not such a good idea. You know, we'll, we will try and, you know, talk to them a bit and, because yeah, they definitely they just like no, I like it here. That's that's great. You know, maybe and now I can tell people. I can tell people that you guys are here, and then I can tell people that I have a ghost. And you're just like, uh, mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> no, I fully understand. Second part of of the question: How do you ladies then help spirits, and in turn help the household? Well, a lot of times helping the household, 
Um, it's, it's a mental thing, right? Like in my case, I wanted to know that I wasn't going crazy. Um, but these things that I was experiencing in my home that my kids were experiencing, and I know that sounds weird because other people were having experiences in the home as well with me, but I needed to know that I wasn't crazy. I needed something, you know, I, I needed some evidence. I needed something to show me that, yes, this is actually happening. And I think that's the case with a lot of our clients. So being able to go to them and say, you know what, this is what we you know, what we did, this is what we experienced, this is what we were able to record, you're not crazy. Um, I think that in itself can calm down the household um, and can help them because they're not stressed out about it as much. Um, definitely, definitely. It's, it's, it's it's different for every um, client, but I would say definitely the majority of the clients, and some of them don't even want us to investigate. They're just happy that we called them and we talked to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, all right, I feel so much better. They just said, I just wanted to know that I wasn't crazy, and and we can't tell them. If we don't investigate them, like, I can't tell you for sure if we're not doing an investigation what's going on, but they just want to talk to somebody and who, you know, says, well, you know, this is what we've experienced in places. Like, I wouldn't call anybody crazy if they think that their house is haunted. And that's that's all that some of these people want to hear. Um, it's as simple as that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I want to do something that I haven't done before on this show. I would like... Uh-oh. I would like, I, honestly, I, I'm so impressed with, with the way you conduct yourselves and, and the way you've talked with our audience and explained everything in full detail and what you with Winnipeg Paranormal do. I want you to fill out one of our, I'll go to our website and fill out one of our affiliates pages. Um, I want to make sure that Spaced Out Radio endorses you guys. Thank you Aww, so much. Thank you so I much. appreciate that. Yeah, and we'll talk about it after the show, uh, but okay. I th- I think that's important. I think it's important that that you know teams like yours get recognized for the quality work that you're doing, and you're not going in there. You're not BSing clients. You're not you know pulling the wool over people's eyes or making promises or giving them false hope or anything like that. Oh. And I think over the last couple of hours and we're almost wrapping up hour number three here that we've all been able to notice that and you know i I, like i said before i want to commend you guys for that that is you you know thank you that's that's the way it's supposed to be done that's to me there's supposed to be solutions at the end of this chase and so many teams out there forget about that they're in for their own selfish goals and their own selfish remarks and you're a breath of fresh air you're an absolute breath of fresh air and it's been very impressive tonight very impressive i do have a question from Teresa here down in california Teresa is asking ladies can you communicate with spirits or ghosts i cannot (laughs) <laughs> um, that, we that's actually we could, why we, we yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we have um, 
we have our sensitives and we have our medium friend in Michigan who help us out. And I mean, we would be lost without them. Um, I think Kelly would and agree we that occasionally you know, we use the one in, um, in Portage to La Prairie too. It's hard to find yeah. good mediums because <laughs> there's so many that are just not on the up and up. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think, you know, like we talked about earlier, I mean, the more we do this, the more, I'm going to use the word open we get, you know, um, but definitely not to the point of communicating. You do feel, though, that there is a place in paranormal investigation for a psychic medium. We do. Absolutely. We We did it in the beginning. Um, because that's what the former people who were running it, that's how they ran it. They believed that no one could do it. They they just, they poo-pooed mediums, period. But then when I started actually meeting some people that could actually do, I was blown away. I was like, and we, we test these people. We're just like, okay, we're not going to tell you anything, and you mm-hmm. have to tell us what's going on in this house. And, you know, because we're not... Those people are like, oh, yes, okay, I'm going to answer a bunch of questions first, and then you tell me what's happening, <laughs> you know? We're down to just a couple of minutes left here on the program, and I think that's, uh, you know, it's been a very, very fast three hours. It has. It has. It has. I told you. I told you it was going to be a lot of fun, just super fun. Yeah. Super fun. Super fun. <laughs> super fun. We all have capes on. You can't be super unless you're wearing a, a cape. That's my. It's two o'clock in the morning here, and we're still like, woo! Yes, it's only midnight here, so I got lots of time. I got uh. lots of time. So, how can people, if they want to learn more about Winnipeg Paranormal, learn more about you guys? We have We have some Facebook groups. We have a Facebook page. Just look up Winnipeg Paranormal Group dot com or Winnipeg Paranormal dot com. Um, WPG Paranormal at Gmail dot com is our um, our email address. Um, and like I said, you can look us up on Facebook as well. I'm joining as we speak. Because awesome. I can, because I can. I'm hoping you'll let me in. I'm hoping. <laughs> we'll, we'll think about it. I, w- I want to be your 986th person. Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. How many we have now? Wow. Yeah, you're up there. You're up there. We are. You know what? It's been a lot of fun, Ashley, Kelly, and I want to say thank you from all of our listeners for being on Spaced Out Radio tonight. Greatly appreciate what you are doing. Oh, Ashley's already approved me. She's quick on the draw. <laughs> quick on the draw. Oh, I'm going in now. I'm going in now. There we are. I, I'm a member. I'm a member on Facebook. Thank, 
Thank you so much. You ladies, hold on. i got to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the Space Out Radio and Terrestrial Radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal in the background. Bumblefoot is the official music of Space Out Radio. He brings us in and he takes us home every single night. Tomorrow night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time, we have Jamie Sexton back from Rebel Planet News. We're talking conspiracies. We're talking chemtrails. And we'll see what else we can throw into the pot because there's a lot happening below the 49th parallel, at least from these parts. See, we're up in your attic, America. We're that annoying brother who hangs out in the attic. That's who us Canadians are. We love being that attic keeper as well. Reminder, go to spaceoutradio.com. As of tomorrow night, we're going to have our T-shirts on sale. Finally, you've been asking for them. We're delivering. T-shirts, stickers, posters. You can even pick up a set of Carl the Alien candles. Because you know Carl, he'll light up your night just like he did mine. That's just the way it goes. I want to thank all of you for being a part of tonight's show. It's been a lot of fun. We love to do it every single night. And so we do. Remember, we can't do it without you, our valued listeners. You guys are the ones spreading the word. You guys are the ones making us bigger, better, stronger, and we keep pushing for you. Because why? We want to own the night right here at Spaced Out Radio. Tell a friend. We would appreciate that. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home. Have a good one, everyone. I'll talk to you in exactly 21 hours from now. I'll be here. Will you? I hope so. Have a good one.